Hello, and welcome to the Weekly Watch podcast series. I'm John Briggs, Global Head of Death Strategy. This series helps you cut through the noise of global financial markets with a quick take on the upcoming trends to watch. Hello, everyone. This past week saw some important data, mainly in the U.S., where we had a CPI report that showed a little bit soft, softer inflation than expected. Mostly that softness was coming from COVID-related sectors that had seen a lot of increases lately, whereas under the hood, if you look a little bit closer, um, some of the non-COVID-related strengths, such as rents and things that perhaps could be more durable in the future, were a little stronger. But you know, in some, it was one of those reports that had something for everyone. Retail sales, on the other hand, uh, came out, and that was unambiguously strong. Given it was for August, now that's the same month as the soft payroll report from two weeks ago, we think this could go a long way to counter fears of consumer slowdown that were starting to emerge in the market. Remember, August was also that period where Delta hit the hardest. So if we had you know, some warning signs in the employment report, the strong retail sales should make people feel a little bit better. Now, that sets us up for the Fed meeting, which is next week. Now, as a reminder, in the past, we had felt that the Fed announcing a taper in November for a December start, and that's something that, in my view, will require a decent employment report in October. That's the September report reported in October, uh, in order because the Fed has wanted to see continued progress on the inflation. Uh, I'm sorry, on the unemployment side. So, given the that employment is such an important marker for the Fed, you know, this coming week, I don't see the Fed saying much in the way of specifics regarding taper more about that we continue to make progress, but further progress is likely needed. But we are watching the dots. Now, the dots are the, are the figures that show anonymously when Fed members think the path of, what, what Fed members think the path of rates will be. And we're focused on where they think rates will be in 2022. Previously, it had shown that you know several members, but not enough to move the median up to uh, showing a hike, but several members did have a hike, but you know it was a minority. This time around, we think it's going to be a very close call. You only need two more members of the Fed to say that they think a rate hike will happen in 22 for that to move up. So again, we think it's going to be a close call, but not include one rate hike in late 22. But if there is, that could certainly move markets and at least on the rate side, get the U.S. rate market to price in a little more in the way of rate hikes down the road. So even if the past employment report made this meeting a little less important regarding tapering, we still are watching for that, that, you know, those dots to see if the Fed has confidence enough that more than half will feel like they can signal a rate hike in late 22. But as we know, it's not just the local rate complex that could be impacted by the Fed coming up this week. I'm also joined by Paul Robson, our co-head of G10FX Strategy. And I'm glad you're here, Paul, because it's the global impact that I want to focus on here now via currencies. So given that backdrop I just laid out on the Fed, how do you think a higher rate signal, if we do get it, would, via the dots, could impact the dollar? Well, monetary policy expectations are always very uh, important for currencies, and, and the dollar is no exception. I mean, we continue to have a, a fairly balanced outlook for the, the dollar, uh, but I think markets will be looking, digesting, dissecting uh, everything that they see and hear uh, next week for the, the dollar. So if we do get that um, hawkish signal uh, from the, the dots, I think that will be you know, supportive of uh, the dollar and, and probably just undermine risk appetite um, a little bit. I mean, the, the dots and the economic projections are, are just uh, also uh, just very important. You've seen that for the, the ECB just a, a week ago, didn't you? That the, the recalibration of uh, policy was you know, bang in line with our expectations and, and the rest of the, the street, but it was the sort of underwhelming sort of inflation uh, projections that suggested that the ECB 
uh, stays cautious. And that's why you saw euro dollar uh, slip and, and European rates uh, relatively uh, well supported. Um, I think for the, the dollar and the dollar outlook to change, I mean, you mentioned the, the sort of jackal and hide nature of uh, US data over the last couple of weeks. And so there we, that, that's kept us cautious on, on the dollar. But for the dollar outlook to change, I think you need you know, a couple of things. You, you need clarity on those sort of job numbers. Uh, you know, is it a demand uh, driven sort of weakness or is it more likely? Uh, supply and that might give the dollar a little bit more support but equally if the markets have overpriced slowdown risk globally so you need uh, relative growth expectations shift away from the US to the rest of the world for the dollar to go down so you've got these two sort of balancing acts and it, it leaves us quite cautious uh, on the dollar neutral but really maybe a few upside risks for the dollar uh, into uh, the September FOMC. Okay. So that's the one side of the coin. As we know, with FX, there's always another side of the coin. So you mentioned the ECB, but also this coming week is the Bank of England. Can you um, talk about that a little bit in the context of sterling? Yeah, so um, the, the, the um, Bank of England meeting wasn't uh, set to be uh, particularly interesting um, as little goes a couple of weeks ago, uh, because it's an interim meeting. There's not a monetary policy report that goes with it. There's no sort of economic uh, projections, but it's the MPC testimony to the uh, select committee that's just caught everyone's uh, imagination. So this was where um, the MPC members were said to be split on whether they had seen the necessary conditions, not sufficient necessary conditions to tighten uh, policy. And I think markets thought it was more skewed to uh, not having uh, got that sort of necessary condition to tighten rates, but it was more, more balanced. Uh, and so that's put more focus on the meeting. Um, equally, uh, you know, strong employment numbers from the UK uh, this week. We also had a very high uh, inflation print uh, you know, across the, the board. But at the same time, you've got sort of a loss of momentum uh, in the UK uh, economy. So the PMI's monthly GDP numbers suggest it's slowing. You've got uncertainty about the end of the furlough scheme at the, the end of uh, September. You've got covid trends, you've got um, supply constraints in terms of whether they're COVID or, or Brexit, and maybe that impacts consumer confidence as well. So there's a lot for the, the MPC to digest. And, and on balance, I think, you know, slightly more hawkish, maybe just like the, the Fed. And I think people will look at that and think that the February MPC meeting is now live for a policy move. We don't think that's the case. We think it comes much later next year. So November would risk to a slightly earlier move. Uh, but for the currency, if markets continue to embrace a, a fair policy move, then Stone will go with it. So the way we like articulating uh, that uh, view through a currency trade is to be short US sterling. Got it. And then uh, one more question. I mean, we do have some other central banks that I think we should flag a little bit. Um, what about the Norges Bank and the Riggs Bank? Anything we should watch for there? Well, for the Norges Bank, uh, they're going to be the first major central bank, we think, uh, and the market thinks, to, to raise the policy rate. So for the ECB and for the Fed, we're sort of talking about tapering and recalibration of policy. For Norges Bank, we think they're going to tighten policy. Uh, they've been very clear in that. They've pretty much said, or they have said, they're going to raise rates 25 basis points a quarter for the, the coming year. The data support it, you know, so uh, regional surveys out of Norway uh, continue to be strong. Inflation, core inflations have been easing, 
but in line with the central bank uh, projections because of uh, base effects. Um, with the oil price holding up relatively well, economy doing uh, well, we think that they, they did deliver on that sort of policy guidance. Uh, and we think you and Norway lower. Now, nothing's set in stone, uh, as we found out with the uh, New Zealand Central Bank, uh, Reserve Bank of New Zealand just a couple of weeks ago, where they um, sort of reined it in on COVID a little bit for Norway policy uh, timing. Um, Sweden, just very quickly, um, high inflation numbers uh, this week, that seemed to be uh, the theme in uh, Europe. So uh, markets um, maybe a little bit more optimistic or pricing in more tightening for the Ritz Bank at some point, but we don't think that will be reflected in the expected rate path a little bit too early, but definitely something to watch. So stable inflation expectations, strong recovery, strong recovery in Europe, Sweden's a high beta uh, on that. So as we move into next year, uh, Ritzbank going earlier uh, than the ECB is probably a, a theme to watch uh, and the potential trade. That's great. Thanks, Paul, for that journey around European Central Bank. I'm sorry, and UK. So I can't say they're part of Europe anymore. Um, meetings. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. Next week, again, as we've kind of gone through, promises to be a very busy week for policy. So we'll talk to you about that on the other side. Thank you. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of The Weekly Watch. Please subscribe to our channel to get future episodes. We also encourage you to explore more of our content on our website and other social media channels.